it's Chili. Hey guys, it's sure nice to be with you again. This is a podcast for God's sakes. Spring in the Ozark Mountains of Northwest Arkansas was calling me to visit. The year was 1969 and I was 22 years old. I had attended the University of Arkansas twice and twice run into a terrible issue of not enough time for class or study. I was in hot pursuit of uninterrupted pleasure. I had returned to Fayetteville to see some of my friends from semesters past and enjoyed being with them when they were not wasting their time studying or going to class. My visit was cut short by boredom. It was time for me to head south. My trip back to Texas was not rushed because I was working on a Mississippi River boat, and I had a month before I had to return to work. I had taken Mother's brand new Buick on the trip. I hoped to appear successful, but no one was impressed by my transportation. It took nine hours to drive from Fayetteville to Houston, and I had prepared well for the trip. I had glazed donuts, cheese crackers, and a fifth of George Dickel bourbon whiskey, and some Coca-Cola, that is. The Dickel was in a powder horn-shaped decanter with leather appointments and a strap identifying the contents as aged in oak for 12 years. I was ready to get on the road. I drank the Dickel mixed with my Coke and ice, And to help with organization of my treats, I bought a plastic cup holder that fit over the door and secured by a flap between the inside of the car door and the window. So I went off with a mixed drink in my left and donuts in my right hand. The steering wheel soon became a sticky mess of glazed donut, but I didn't mind. By the time I reached Texas-Arkansas border, I was a little tipsy. No, I was drunk. For some unknown reason, I felt the need to hasten my trip. I knew at one level there were police and troopers between me and my destination. And at another level, I felt no fear. No fear at all. As I progressed on the trip, a brilliant thought came to me. I would magically declare myself changed into Dr. Winfield A. Scott, Jr., a Houston physician, on emergency call to save one of my very fortunate patients' lives. I realized this story would be ineffective if I were the only one to know. So I stopped for a few Longview, Texas, on Highway 69, and used a payphone to call those who would be most impressed with my story, i.e., the Highway Patrol of the state of Texas. The officer wrote my information down freely and accurately as I dictated. Color, make, model, all the information came quickly. Then I gave the big news about me being a doctor on emergency call to save a person's life in faraway Houston. I ended the conversation by disclosing my exact route and let the officer know I would be exceeding the posted speed limit for a very noble cause. Forty-five minutes later, I was driving 80 miles an hour in a 30-mile-an-hour speed zone in Nacogdoches, Texas. I noticed bright red lights in my rearview mirror and wondered, what kind of mistake was being made here? I pulled over the side of the road and watched the officer walk up to my driver's side window. 
He asked me for my driver's license and then asked me to get out of the car. Hmm. I had left Fayetteville at 2.30 in the afternoon. When I was stopped, it was getting dark. I opened the door and saw how the Coke and whiskey had spilled and made the door gleam in the lights of the squad car. The officer asked me if I knew how fast I was going, and before I could inform him of my critical mission, I stopped. In that moment, a fuzzy clarity came. I knew I was in deep shit. The ride to Nacogdoches Police Department was short. It was easily determined that I was impaired, and I was booked and escorted to an awaiting cell. I detected a strong order of vomit, urine, and realized that it came from the mattress that I was about to lie on. I truly was in jail. In my cell was my roommate, whose name escapes me, but we'll just call him Killer. But he did inform me he was waiting trial for murder and had not been out of his cell for nine months. Oh, joy, I thought, this will be some night. Trying to be polite, I asked this fellow, I said, is the food here good? And he just gave me a dead-eyed stare. I then told him I was really sick with a disease that no one could diagnose. I felt that would make me less desirable if this guy got any funny ideas. I did not sleep at all that evening after the wonderful meal of two scoops of brownish red stuff garnished with lime jello. The next day was Saturday, and I was pleased that a girl was the newest jailbird. She had refused to pay a speeding ticket and found herself in a cell next to me and Killer. She was very vocal in her displeasure of the local authorities and how they violated her civil rights. She said, I'll never pay that fine. I will rot in this jail before I give in. Well, her anger lasted until later that afternoon <laughs> when she summoned the jailer and told him she was ready to leave and ready to pay that fine and get out of our smelly little abode. I was disappointed to lose the entertainment and the possible hunger strike that she promised. All went okay Sunday, and on Monday I was able to call Mom and Dad. They had not been expecting me at home for the, uh, until the following Wednesday, so I was not yet a missing person. I told them of the horrible mistake the Nacogdoches police had made and asked them to drive the three hours to set me free. Mom drove to the jail that afternoon, and we were escorted to the judges' chambers but not before I was sprayed with Chanel number no. 5 out of my mother's purse. I had not bathed and looked and felt like garbage, but I smelled divinely. The judge was a round-faced man with no hair except the mass of eyebrows that were intimidating props. He asked my name, and um, when I complied, he simply said, your fine is $350 cash. Mother gave him the money, and we were not uh, asked to sign anything. No one saw anything in the chambers. There wasn't anybody there, and I walked out of there with my mama, a free man. We retrieved the Buick from the impound, and I followed Mother out of Natacadoches as if nothing had ever happened. I successfully dodged a big problem. Or so I thought.
I knew now that the problem was me and that those police had possibly saved my life and the life of someone else. That was the big lesson to learn. However, it didn't come quickly. As I was following Mom outside of town in a blue Mustang, I pulled over at a stop-and-go and got a six-pack of Budweiser to finish the trip with. <laughs> some lessons, some lessons to young gentlemen seeking nothing but pleasure come slowly. Peace, chill out, and please watch those intersections and keep the whiskey in the house. Thank you. <laughs>